success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long, we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word, which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO of Girlboss Media, and this is Girlboss Radio. Hey guys, Sophia here. Welcome to another episode of Girl Boss Radio. So I'm super excited about today's episode because today is International Women's Day. And it's even more special because this episode is being brought to you in partnership with Google Play, who are setting out to help women in the gaming industry change the game. I love games, but what is change the game exactly? So Change the Game is an initiative designed to empower women as players and creators in the realm of mobile gaming. Because, as I'm sure you guys already know, women are super underrepresented in the gaming industry and in technology as a whole. So to combat this gender gap, Google Play is aiming to celebrate women who game and what's possible for them in these fields career-wise. Sweet! More Super Mario for everyone! Exactly! But also, more diversity in games, more female protagonists, more female game creators, and more inspiration and power to the next generation of game makers and creators. Google Play is all about it, and if you go to the Google Play Store today, you can learn more about games women have created and, you know, download some. But in the meantime, we have a special guest on the show today that is going to talk with me about this very subject. Tina Amini is the editorial manager of games at IGN and is an expert on what's going on in the gaming industry right now, especially as it relates to female players and creators. Spoiler alert, there's still a lot of work to do, but there's also a ton of exciting stuff going on as well. Tina has been editing and writing about video games for eight years now, previously contributing to Mashable, Complex Magazine, and Kotaku. All right, let's do it. Tina, let's start at the beginning. Where are you from? I am from New York originally, born and raised. Didn't leave until I was about 27, actually. Went to school there and everything. New York City, I'm guessing? Yes, from Queens originally. And then I went to NYU and have been or had been in the city since then, before moving to Los Angeles about nine months ago. And I'm about to pick up and move again. From where to where? So I'm in Los Angeles right now, and I'm planning on moving to San Francisco for IGN, which I'm just starting uh, this week. Yeah. And what does IGN stand for? It's actually Imagine Games Network, but nobody goes by that anymore. So it's just sort of become the acronym as IGN. Cool. And so... Were you always into gaming? What Was there a system that you liked or games that you liked? Yeah. So I have two older brothers and we grew up actually not being allowed to own any game consoles, which made it tricky. Uh, but we found our ways. We have cousins and we would go visit them in Boston and play their uh, like classic Nintendo systems. And eventually... Uh, my brothers managed to like trade things at school to sneakily get consoles. Wow. So we managed to play games uh, outside of the parental acceptance uh, at home. And I got my first console that I could actually proudly call my own. Um, it was the PS2. And it was a situation where my brother managed to guilt trip my parents into letting me own one since I had gone through a spinal surgery at the time. So it was hard to say no to me at that point. 
Uh, it's always the thing that your parents like tell you you can't do. We've had other people on this podcast who grew up Catholic and became like sex sexperts. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how you'll rebel. Where we end up going. Uh, were there any games that you remember absolutely loving? Uh, yeah, there's a ton of classic Nintendo games that, like, you know, we would play GoldenEye together round after round, which going back and playing now is kind of insane because it doesn't feel uh, like an actual polished game. But at the time when we played, it seemed like kind of revolutionary and it was the thing that we glued our eyes to. But there's a couple games that were more of a solitary experience for me when I grew up a little bit and I was able to connect to them a little bit more. So along the lines of when I got my PlayStation 2, I was also playing Final Fantasy X, which if anybody asks what my favorite game is, I have a really hard time picking favorites for anything. But for a game, that's a good go-to because at the time I was recovering from my surgery and it felt like this exploratory environment where I could do anything and, and be anyone because you're multiple characters in a sense. Uh, but, you know, in reality, I was actually bedridden for like at least a month, um, unable to do anything for myself. So it was this like empowering moment. So it's sort of the game that uh, I connote with a lot of my my growing up experience and and something that really contributed to you know making me happy. Yeah. So the gaming industry has come so far in a relatively short amount of time, from Pong to Atari, uh, Nintendo sixty four, and Genesis. I mean, I remember playing something called Parappa the Rapper on on I think PlayStation, like, yeah, Sega, yeah, placed. It was like I loved that game. Than Xbox, so uh, you don't even need a gaming system to play anymore, and you have every, we have everything we need right on our mobile device. How much gaming is done on phones versus consoles now? It depends on the kind of gamer that you are, but that's the great thing about how far we've come because you do have you know the the casual Candy Crush that you can play on the subway that even uh, you know anybody from any walk of life will play, but then you have something more polished like Monument Valley where it's this really beautiful. Um, and really intelligently designed puzzle game. So you can get that, like... I've played that. A Monument Valley. It's great. And it even was in House of Cards, actually. So it's it's made its rounds. Um, and it's, it's a really impressively done game. And you, you do have a couple other games that are on consoles, like Telltale make... That company makes a bunch of games that are very story-based. So it doesn't require a lot of technical fidelity, but it's something that you can play on your iOS system. Uh, and it's it's a great uh, story-based game. So there's tons of options now. But if you do want something that's a little bit more impressively rendered and has a lot more bells and whistles, maybe some multiplayer, that's stuff uh, you're going to need on a PC or a console. So there still is a market for that as well. It's it's a little bit of the larger scoped games. So it really depends on the kind of gamer that you are ultimately. How did you wind up in the gaming industry? I mean, everybody, I mean, there's so many people that play games, but not everybody goes into the gaming industry. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I mean, it probably has a little bit to do with the fact that uh, we, uh, my growing up, I was so limited with what options I had, uh, and it is definitely partially to do with the fact that I had two older brothers who would never really give me the controller. So it's no surprise that I've turned it into a career in a way. But I sort of fell into it. I was in my junior year of college at NYU, and a couple of my English professors actually recommended to me that I look into writing as a career. Uh, at the time, I was studying media uh, sort of generally. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with media. I knew I liked it. Um, but when they when I saw that a couple professors mentioned this, you know, writing as a prospect in my career, I thought, all right, well, you know, they, they must know something. They all have kind of coincidentally at the same time mentioned it. 
So I started to read a lot more blogs and I happened to gravitate towards video game blogs. So I was following everyone big and small. And one of the smaller websites I noticed had a listing at some point for an an open position for a writer. And it was just this like volunteer kind of thing. I was still a junior in in college. So I decided, yeah, why not? I was interning at um, Condé Nast, uh, still full-time student and decided like this would be a good way of getting some words on the page and starting to like work on my craft. Uh, And I immediately fell in love. I remember getting flown out to Edmonton, Canada to go visit BioWare, which is a video game studio that works on Dragon Age and Mass Effect. And I went for the first Dragon Age game and I spent a week playing this thing, which is abnormal for previews. Normally you go in for a day, maybe like you get a couple hours and uh, of game time and, and some time to talk to the developers. But we were there for a full week and I absolutely fell in love It was fascinating to talk to the developers. I loved going hands-on early on in games, and I felt like a part of the conversation. So it was this aspect of gaming that I'd never been a part of before, and I realized that I want to do this permanently. So I just, you know, one job after the other after college, things started to fall through. And so what were some of the early jobs that you had in the industry? My first job was at Complex Magazine. My first formal job out of college was at Complex Magazine They were looking for um, a video game channel editor. So at Complex, all the divisions are called channels. And I fell under the pop culture channel. So it was just me and a freelance pool. Uh, So I started off with mostly just writing my own stuff and guiding a team of freelancers. Managed to bring someone on part-time after that, uh, slowly beginning to grow the channel. But soon after I started and I was growing the channel, Stephen Totillo at Kotaku, who's still the editor-in-chief there, reached out to me, uh, and I joined on board there, um, which is one of the bigger, more well-known sites, uh, and quickly went up the ranks there as well until I became deputy editor for about uh, four years there. Wow. And then uh, fast forward to Mashable. After following after that, uh, I was running the games channel there. And um, yeah, now this week, starting fresh at IGN. Were there many female mentors along the way as you were joining these companies, you know, as a gaming editor? At my specific companies, no. It was a lot of me uh, kind of flying solo. But the really cool thing about the games industry and the media covering games industry is how tight-knit the community can be. You can definitely find mentors within the community, or at the very least, if not mentors, people who have been through similar experiences as you. So it's, it's kind of nice that you can find people that the stories that you're telling resonate with, and you know they might have similar experiences where... They tried different things and or or just even to say, like, I've been there. I get it. Um, So it's not even necessarily about advice or mentorship, but just the feeling of solidarity. And so tell us about your job now. What's your role at IGN? So my role is my official title is editorial manager. I'm leading the games editorial team. IGN is very big. And we've got, you know, if if anybody is familiar with IGN, they know that they we do a lot of podcasts and videos But we do everything else, too, like news and reviews, previews, the whole nine yards. Uh, So I'll be leading the editorial team. uh, And it's it's brand new. So I actually haven't even walked into the office yet. This is my first duty on the job. Cool. For those listeners here at Girl Boss Radio who are thinking about a career in the gaming industry and that it might sound like a lot of fun, what what kind of jobs are there? You're an editor, but there's got to be, I mean, there's a whole huge industry, but it's so shrouded to so many of us. Absolutely. I mean, you could go to the media end of the spectrum, which is where I'm at. um, And there's so many opportunities there. There are 
video opportunities, people who specialize in only podcasts, people who are reviewers first and foremost. I've always personally gravitated towards more managerial editor roles, um, but that's because just from my personal aspect of it, um, I like fostering talent and helping people realize their own talent and their own voices. Um, so it completely depends on your personality uh, on the media side. And then, of course, there's the games industry side. So, you know, you you have the managers on that end, too, like project managers, people who maintain the flow of things and make sure everything's getting done on time. Uh, or you have some more technical ends of things where you could be a software engineer, you could be a game designer, you could be an artist. There's so many avenues to coming into the games industry. Uh, there's even, you know, PR and marketing. So there are the more business ends of things. Uh, there's there's definitely many ways to to get into the industry. We're going to keep chatting with Tina in just a second. But first, we wanted to take a minute to tell you more about what Google Play is doing for International Women's Day today. If you go to the Google Play store, which is just play.google.com or an app on your Android device, the front page will be featuring collections of games created by women and featuring female protagonists. So if you love playing games on your phone, because hey, taking a break from work is something you absolutely need to do, check out the front page of the Google Play store right now because there's some amazing games on there. So true. And actually, there's this game created by a woman called Zen Koi 2, where you get these cute little koi fish and they turn into dragons. Wow, that's crazy. But it's super fun and relaxing. And it's some serious self-care, almost like meditating. But it's a game. Oh, man, I'm going to have to try that one because I cannot seem to figure out how to meditate. (laughs) Okay, back to the episode. So, I mean, there's been so much success of games like Words with Friends, which I've played, Candy Crush, and even Kim Kardashian's game Hollywood, which I've also played, which generated over $74 million in the first six months of its availability. So it's clearly there's a real opportunity for everyone, including women in this space. Are there schools that offer gaming courses and, and majors? Yeah, absolutely. More and more, uh, you're seeing that in many universities, even my own, my own alma mater. We have uh, an entire game division Uh, at NYU. Uh, And they were, I think, one of the earlier ones, actually, to start offering that kind of program. Uh, Even before that department opened up, when I was at NYU and I graduated in 2009, we had a single class that I took. And it it was one of the most fun classes that I've taken. We basically just, this was more on the analytical side. So we played some of the most important games in the industry Um, You know, the awful ones like the E.T. game um, that is infamously bad uh, to some of the more uh, impressive games and more modern games. And we would play them and and just kind of like discuss them as a group and discuss them as a form of medium, as a as a form of art. But now there are all there are all sorts of technical majors that you can take in universities, as well as universities that specialize specifically in um, game development. So there's so many opportunities. What are the best schools for that? I wouldn't know off the top of my head. Um, I know that NYU is very prestigious in that sense, especially because they've been around a little bit longer. Um, And, you know, you get the opportunity to also study in other divisions uh, to diversify. Because one of the most basic game development tenets is to look at everything in life, every kind of art form, and take inspiration from that. And I probably would say any kind of art form, people are, are aware of that kind of discipline um, to take from other uh, from other areas to inspire what they're working on. 
So it's, you know, in the end, a lot of people say these days, I'm sure it's changing, but a lot of people say you don't even really need the degree more. So you need the portfolio, you need the experience and the work. So there are a lot of game jams, which are effectively weekend long or week long ordeals where people come together and there's typically a theme and you'll, they'll say, here's your theme and, you know, make a game with the group of people that you're here with or group up with other people and just quickly scrap together a game. And of course, it's not going to be the most amazing thing, but typically like really great ideas come out of those weekends and some games have actually been developed and, and fleshed out further than that afterwards. They're called game jams. Game jams, game-a-thon, yeah. hackathon, game jam. Exactly. Along the same lines. There's one um, around the Game Developers Conference. I believe it's typically around that time where you're actually on a train uh, and people on the train are, are participating in this game jam. And it's just this, from, from what I know from the developers that I've spoken to have participated, it's high energy, high creativity, and it's this environment where you get to be with like-minded people who have all these different ideas and you're just scrambling to get them done, which is interesting because one of the things about game development is to quote unquote, kill your babies. You have to be able to relinquish the idea of perfectionism. So having this very short period of time where you're just scrambling to make this game and it's all based around the idea really gets at the crux of what you're trying to work on. So a lot of people get a lot of inspiration from these things. Yeah, they say perfect is the enemy of d- done or good or something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I keep hearing about game theory. And does that have anything to do with gaming? Do you know anything about game theory? Not well enough to speak on it too intelligently. But I, I believe that there's like certain crossovers. So there would be, I mean, everybody has a different process of thought. So every developer will have different kinds of um, priorities in their games. Some people are more in line with, you know, stories, what's important. We want to develop a character. We want to have a character arc. Other people are more into, okay, core mechanics is what it's all about. And you want to make sure that the player has all sorts of control. So there are these basic thorough ways where they're pushing a player down a certain path that they think is most important, um, whether it be story or gameplay or something specific in the gameplay basically what they the experience that they want the player to have. And women are certainly underrepresented in the gaming industry, a whopping 65% of women aged 10 to 65 in the US play mobile games according to a 2017 Google Play and Newzoo study. But they're not represented in the games themselves. When you see the way women are represented in games, it's, you know, Lara Croft, big boobs, skimpy clothes. And it all seems to be about sex appeal. Is there anything being done to change that? Absolutely. I mean, fortunately, in the last few years, you've seen indie games have such this explosion in the industry. Some of the best ideas are coming out of indie games. And it's also some of the most experimental uh, ideas that are coming out of the indie games industry. So it's nice to see that they're gaining such recognition and more and more people are flocking to support them in a way that they can actually make more games and more interesting protagonists and tell more interesting stories. Um, But I think it's something that in general we're seeing in our culture with the Me Too movement and with the Time's Up movement, everything happening in Hollywood. In general, we're all facing this recognition that, you know, there's this underrepresentation all over the world, really, and in so many different kinds of industries. And the video game industry is definitely leaning into that as well. Um, and it's you're seeing it happening in big and small ways, whether it's um, new protagonists that are 
really powerful and interesting and, and not scantily clad all the time. Uh, or, you know, a lot of people are making pushes to diversify their teams and hire women and hire minorities, which, you know, in itself will bring a different kind of voice and a different perspective. Someone who's there to challenge, OK, well, you know, why is this, you know, why is this uh, female character just a side character? Why aren't we fleshing her out more? Um, you know, is she passing the Bechdel test? There's people there to ask those questions. So I think we're going to see like a huge improvement in that and that end, both with indie games and with this finally like people coming to terms with the fact that they need to make these changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When everybody who's building something looks the same, they're going to build something for themselves. And and I think that's probably why historically games have, you know, looked one way. And it's it's a really exciting time in, in every industry to see what kind of representation and changes in, in that we're going to see across entertainment and gaming. and Yeah, and it's it's boring to play the same old, you know, tough hero, muscular character who's going to save the world because it was his destiny to, and there's some, like, war in the backdrop involved in it. It's just, it becomes very, very boring to play that same game. But from a business perspective, in a lot of ways, a lot of these, especially, like, the AAA companies, the ones who have big budgets, they're looking at, you know, previous paperwork and they're looking at previous sales and they're saying, okay, well, that's what's done well in the past. And they might be wary of taking those risks, but ultimately it's those risks that bring us more intelligent um, subject matters and more, more entertaining, more thoughtful games, the stuff that really sticks with you and lasts. So Google Play and Newsy reported that women play five times per week or more and for other reasons beyond entertainment too. Many of the women they surveyed said that they see games as stress reducers offering much-needed moments of rest. So what games are women playing to relieve stress? Really, it it depends on what you want to play. I mean, it seems kind of antithesis to relieving stress, but I personally love first-person shooters. So that's what, you know, if I go round after round, there's something about the consistency of what I'm playing, the familiarity of it. At most, you know, you're switching up teams, you're switching up maps that you're playing on, but having that consistency and playing through and perfecting it for me that's relaxing Mm -hmm. but for someone else it it might just be you know a candy crush style game where the gems are falling and and you're matching things and having that success like being able to pass a level is relaxing because you're feeling productive in a way that's not related to work or chores or something that feels like it's mandating more of your time Um, whereas you know games are this fun thing animal crossing came out semi-recently uh, and that's a game where you just go around, you talk to animal friends, and you design your house. I'm sure people find that fascinating as well. I certainly love Animal Crossing. So there's so many games where ultimately it's about you know what you're looking for. If you're looking for that consistency that I'm looking for, or if you're looking for just feelings of of um, progression and success, it's a nice way to get a little bit of a reward out of your day for not that much of a time sink, especially when you're talking about mobile games, because you can pick it up and drop it as quickly as you want. You know, you can spend however much time you want if you want to just do one level or if you want to feel a little bit more productive and pass through more. But by the end, you feel like you've completed something and that you've probably advanced your skills in it, too. And there's something really rewarding about that. And Tina, before you leave, I have to know, what games are you playing? Um, currently I'm playing this, uh, semi new game called monster hunter world. Um, it's on Xbox one and, and on, uh, the PS4, I'm playing it on the PS4. It's a game where you go around and hunt monsters, sometimes with friends, sometimes alone. And then you pick up stuff from the environment 
and basically level yourself up. That's the most like basic way to describe this game. But it's this like huge open world with so many different monsters. And you have to think about the effort that went into designing each and every single one of them, both visually and how they play out mechanically as well. Uh, so there's just so much to explore in, in that realm. So that's kind of got my attention currently. There's a couple of questions that I ask all of our guests on Girl Boss Radio. One of them is, you know, we have this thing called Girl Boss Moments, which is really just a moment in your week. Uh, I mean, I can probably guess what yours might be, but where you fell in control of your life. And it could be anything from getting massage to starting a new job. I'm so curious, Tina, what was your most recent girl boss moment? It's it's definitely starting a new job, as that is uh, what's happening today for me um, right before I step into this role. But, yeah, you know, I uh, when I was at I was at Mashable and it, it took a few months before I found IGN and finding that, especially where I'm at in my career now, finding that actual good fit. Because early on when you're out of college, you're just looking for a job. You're looking for the experience. You're building your resume. But now that I'm advanced enough where I can and take a few months and be a little bit more precious about what I'm looking for, that that was my girl boss moment, is holding out for something that I knew would inspire me creatively and be good for my career and be somewhere that I feel I could be appreciated. So that's definitely mine. And another question I ask everybody, uh, and this is something we're cracking, but, you know, it's it's never a single answer. And, and, and that is what success looks like, because it's different for everybody and it should be different for everybody. And we live in a world where this concept of success has been, you know, largely determined by and, you know, heralded by white guys in suits who are you know, kind of getting old. And so it's an exciting new time for, I think, women to reclaim what that means together, but also individually. So what does success mean to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Success is different for, for everyone. But for me, it was very much about finding my own voice and making sure that I own it. So early on, uh, in your career, you might be looking to other people to, to see what success is and to see what their voice is. And, you know, you, you start imitating even, you know, as a writer, you read other writers and you pick up and absorb pieces of their style. And then you kind of like mash that together and figure out what what works for you and what amalgamation of those things works for you. So over my career, just developing my voice and really not being afraid to stand up for it is what success looks like for me. Cool. Well, Tina, thank you so much for coming on Girl Boss Radio. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much for having me. And congratulations. Thank and, you. You know, on your first day. Yeah, yeah. I'm so very exciting. <laughs> I feel lucky to, to have been your, your first. My very first meeting. <laughs> that was a great episode of Girl Boss Radio. Thank you again to our partners at Google Play who are working to keep this conversation going about representation of women in the gaming and tech industries moving forward. They're doing so much to support female players and creators. You can continue the conversation and can learn more about Google Play's Change the Game initiative and how you can be part of it at g.co slash change the game. And of course, today, March 8th, on International Women's Day, the Google Play Store will be featuring games by and about women on the front page. Visit the store at play.google.com to load your mobile device up with some amazing apps and games created by some serious trailblazers in their field. Next week, we'll be back to our regular Wednesday slot. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>